I am Nick Hodge. I am without my uh, partner this week, Mr. Gerardo Del Real. He's off on vacation watching the Cubs play. So I have a colleague and, and friend of ours that we've spent some time with over the past the several years in the gold and silver space, Mr. David Erfley. How are you? Good, Nick. Great. great. Uh, thanks for having me on. Nice to be with you. Absolutely. I'm surprised we haven't had you on before. Um, you write the Junior Mining Junkie, and you also write a, a weekly column for Kitco, I believe it is, that I Correct. get in my inbox every Friday evening that I always uh, enjoy reading. That uh, covers all the topics as it relates to the precious metals, uh, interest rates, technical levels, what the central banks are doing. So, you did? Um, you want to give us a little bit of background and, and tell us how you spend your days? Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I got into this sector about 20 years ago. Um, in, under under similar circumstances, uh, where we had raging uh, bull markets in the, in, in the equities, but uh, this was after the the dot com bust, and I was looking for uh, a sector that was going up while everything else was going down, and I came upon the, the mining space, and I just fell in love with it in two thousand three, and um, I've been in it ever, ever since, um, and I started a uh, a newsletter. In April of 2017, after beginning to write a call, a weekly column for Kitco in 2016, I got a lot of interest from people that were reading my column saying, hey, you know, you should do a newsletter. I'll subscribe. So I did. And it's doing really well. Um, and I keep my my subscribers up to date on a weekly basis covering uh, macroeconomics, anything that affects the gold and silver price I cover. And uh, basically, it's a, it's your one stop shop for for anything you need to know what's going on in the precious metal sector each week. Great, I, I love to read the column. Like I say, when it when it comes out, uh, it informs me of of many things that are going on. And it, one of the things I like about your your letter, although I'm not a subscriber, I sort of you know the 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 premise behind it. It's what you're doing with your own money. It's what you're, you're buying and selling. Um, in the in the junior mining space, and that's what Gerardo and I write about as well. We have skin in the game, and people either like that or they hate it. Um, but I think you should like it if you're if you're an investor because we're in the pool with you. If uh, we're not making money, then the the reader's not making money, and um, that's how you do it, right? Absolutely. I mean, I ask the same of the juniors that I invest in. You know, if if they don't have their own skin in the game and they're not participating in private placements. And all they have is just a bunch of cheap founder shares and and and, and uh, options. Then why should I invest in their company if, if they're not gambling on it as well? That's right. Share structure and and people and and skin in the game. Those are some of the top three metrics for sure. Uh, before we get to the evaluation of, of junior mining companies, let's let's start a little higher, if you will. Um, let's talk about the gold price, uh, where where we've been, and and where you think we're going. So just a little summary. Uh, you know, we ran over two thousand dollars in uh, May. Since then, the the Fed has resumed its uh, hawkish posture. The the interest rates have uh, ticked up a little bit, uh, particularly on the ten year yield here of late. Um, and this recession keeps getting sort of delayed. So, uh, from your chair uh, over there in California, I believe it is. Where do you think we are in the in the gold cycle? Are we bullish? Are we bearish? What are the technical levels you're you're watching? So, sort of that sort of. That, that's yeah, it's stuff. it's a really interesting situation that that's that's taken place in the sector for the past several years. If you take if you take a step back and you look at a big picture chart of the gold price over the past twenty years, it's got this beautiful cup and handle pattern. It looks like it's ready to break out, and then you look at the gold stocks and especially the juniors, and they continue to go go lower in relation to the price of gold. And it, and nobody's nobody's cares about this sector is 
basically all the generalists left in 2013 when the gold price lost 1550 and started a bear market. So um, where we are right now, though, is that 2,200 level in the gold price has been resistance going back over 12 years. And it reminds me of when I got into this sector uh, uh, earlier in this conversation, when I told you in, in 2003, the gold price was bumping up against 475, 500. 500 was that Maginot line that it couldn't get above. And it was it had formed a cup and handle, a similar cup and handle uh, chart pattern, which is the most bullish technical chart pattern um, you could ask for under uh, under the five hundred dollar gold price. And um, once the five hundred dollar gold price was broken out, when you had a five hundred dollar close on a monthly basis, that's when gold took off. You know the the sector took off, the stocks took off, everything took off. And, um, and then you got up to the thousand dollar level, which is another round number, uh, that, that gold was, was stopping at. And, um, as soon as it hit a thousand, um, it, it, it backed off because it had had, that had made this huge run and it tested that level a few, uh, a few times. And then it finally broke out a monthly close above a thousand, but that only took a year. And we had the blow off move to over to, to, to 1925. Never got over 2,000. We had everybody saying the gold was going to 2,000. It was a given. When you start hearing that, it's not going to happen. And it didn't happen. So now recently, it's that $2,000 level again that's, that's, that's been really strong resistance. You know, we've, we've climbed above it, above it a few times. We've had three tries. And typically in markets, you have, you have three tries at a major long-term resistance, multi-year resistance level. And the third attempt usually fails, and it, it failed again here recently. But what gold tends to do before it, it has a major breakout, it has a false move in the opposite direction that it intends to break out first. This happened in it last, late last year at 1675. 1675 was, was a strong base going back for the last few years. And everybody was saying that, hey, 1675 breaks, you know, stops are going to get run. Gold's going to go down to 1400, 1500. Easy. That's a given. Well, of course, that didn't happen. It turned out to be a false breakout to the downside. And whenever you have a false breakout to, to, to the downside or the upside, the opposite move in the direction of its intended move is happens really quickly. It, and it did happen very quickly. We had a 465 move from 1620 uh, from a triple bottom at 1620 in November. Straight up. Yep. So we had a $1, a $465 move to test the all-time high, $4 below the all-time high at, eight, at 2085 in gold futures. 2089 is the all-time high, right? So a, a 38.2 retracement from that is just above 1900 it tested, it tested just above 1900 today, hmm. right? And what was yesterday? Options expiration on the COMEX, right? It's, a, it's funny how these things always always bottom or top around, around COMEX op, 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 OPEX days. Today was first notice of delivery. And um, tomorrow, of course, we have the, the Q2 close. So the first half of the year will end. You're having all this book squaring right now. We had an intraday reversal on, in the gold stocks today from major support levels after being extreme oversold on a daily basis. So that's where we are right now. We're, we're, we're at a juncture where I believe that this is just another false move before the gold breaks, gold price breaks out. The number to watch is a monthly close above 2000. We're not going to get that tomorrow, 
but we could get it in July. Well, you took my next question. I was going to ask you how important the, the monthly close was and, and particularly the, the quarterly close as well. Mm -hmm. um, where do you think the downside support is? If, if, we, if, we, if we don't get the monthly close tomorrow, um, do you think we go down below 1900 and, and test resistance somewhere in the 1800s? The, all, the, support, the only thing that would, that, would, that, would, that would worry me is if we had a monthly close below 1870 tomorrow, and I don't see that happening, gotcha. that would be a $50 move lower tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And uh, but the next support level below this 1900 level is 1850. That's the 50 percent retracement level of that 465 dollar move, and it's also longer term support in the gold price. I don't see that happening, but it could very easily take place. So those are the technicals. Let's get into the fundamentals of gold for a little bit. Um, lots of things floating around there, right? Um, lots of gold bug stories uh, are always in the mix. Um, lots of talk about de-dollarization, which um, gets exaggerated a bit, but is a real storyline, I think, as it relates mm -hmm. to, to China uh, and Russia and, and, and that part of the world, particularly how Russia, or excuse me, how China deals with Australia and their very large trade partner, partners. They could cut out the, the U.S. dollar if they wanted. Um, what, are the, what are the fundamental? And then, I guess, to add to the mix, uh, you've had significant central bank buying. A record buying in in 2022, right? Um, record first quarter buying by by central banks, and so well, where do those sort of fundamentals come into play for you, and how do you view them, and, and what are you watching? Yeah, it's the central bank buying Nick that, that, that that's kept the gold price where it is, despite all these all these uh, outside forces trying to keep it lower. I mean, if you take a look at the U.S. dollar index, the the first time gold went above two thousand dollars. In August of 2020, the DXY was at 94. <laughs> okay, and now the DXY is at, is, is over 102, and and critical support is at 100. Even though the the, the gold price is just a couple hundred dollars away from its from all time highs. So if you take a look at the central bank buying that that has been key, but it's investor demand that has not kept up with that central bank buying, right? So, so you have smart money, the central Eastern central banks, you know, de-dollarizing and, and going into gold, especially China, selling all their, s selling their 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 U.S. treasuries to buy gold. That's huge. And but but the, but the but the but the investor hasn't the investment uh, investment it uh, hasn't caught up with that yet. You know, the ETF de demand is is still pretty low. So, and I think that's because the stock market continues to go higher. I mean, if you see these ridiculous valuations of the magnificent seven stocks that you know all these people are talking about, Nvidia with a with a PE ratio over two hundred, and you know going up nearly two hundred percent in the past six months, and basically if you take uh, Nvidia, if you if, I mean if you take uh, Apple and Microsoft, those two stocks alone represent fifteen percent of the entire S and P right now. So. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got these these bubble valuations in these seven stocks keeping the the stock market elevated, and um, the, the gold price, you know, going going sideways to nowhere for the past three years. People are just giving up on their gold stocks if if, if they've hold them and they're selling them for tax loss. And a couple of weeks ago, we even had a big seller uh, in in gold stocks leave the market in Van Eck, who had uh, who rebalanced both GDXJ and and, and SILJ. And the GDXJ stocks you, you, was noticeable, but it was really noticeable uh, on on the silver juniors. You know, it's a smaller market, 
And and when they rebalanced out of their out of their smaller silver juniors, it really hit them hard. So um, basically, we need to get investor demand uh, back. We need to get investors excited about gold again. And I don't think that's going to happen until the gold price breaks out. And the gold price will not technically break out until we see a monthly close above twenty one hundred dollars an ounce. Well, it's sort of chicken and egg, right? Um, and I, I've, I've heard this a lot. You know, gold needs to go up to get investors excited, but investors aren't excited, so they're not exactly. buying gold. So gold can't go up. So how do we close the 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 loop on that insanity? Um, I guess back to this de-dollarization for a second. If you've got China selling all these treasuries, and you've got China perhaps looking to to skirt the dollar and and trade with some of its partners in yuan. Um, okay. and you've certainly got you know Russia selling commodities for for gold in in some way, uh, oil uh, particularly, and then and then and then turning currencies into gold. When people talk about de dollarization, it's very esoteric, right? What does that What does that even fucking mean? Um, <laughs> like, but 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 really, what it means is, what do you do with those dollars? Like an example I was reading this week was, you know, uh, Australia sends a ton of ore to to China to be processed, right? Because uh, China's got a stranglehold on, right. on all the processing for for lots of materials, um, so let's say China says, you know, you've got to buy this from us in uh, yuan, or we've got to sell this to you. And one of these countries, like Australia, has a lot of Chinese currency sitting around. Well, well, what what can they do with that? One of the things they can do, because um, it's not like they can trade with other people in that. But one thing they can do is buy the the age old currency, right? They can they could buy gold. Um, and so do you see sort of that happening or, or what other catalysts do you see that that could close that loop that we were just talking about? I do. But, you know, it, 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 and a lot of people are, are are continuing to look at the Fed. You know, they, they hinge the gold price on what the Fed is going to do and what the Fed says it's going to do. Um, you know, that's that's not really what moves the gold price the most. What moves the gold price the most in the past has been war and the loss of faith in government. So, you know, it's unfortunately, you know, this war in Europe continues to escalate and these tensions with, with U.S. and China continue to escalate. You know, if I'm China and the U.S. continues to, to be aggressive, you know, with, with, these, with, with these tariffs and, and things of that nature and and you know they move; they're moving towards you know towards towards war and all these other places. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get rid of my U.S. Treasuries, and you know, China they announced their gold holdings, but you and I both know that they've probably got a lot more gold than they say they have. Um, so you know, unfortunately, I think the catalyst to break the gold price out might be an escalation of war in Europe. I mean, we had a failed coup. Happened over the weekend that was that was dissolved was rather like, quickly, was, and by ooh. the time gold opened, the, the the situation was 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 under control already. So the gold price really wasn't affected. But you know, I mean, that war continues to move on, and we continue to 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 send money over there. And um, NATO has, you know, they just got through um, finishing these air war games. Um, that involved uh, ten thousand troops in twenty five countries, and and you know, uh, so I think the I think the war card will eventually break the the gold price out. Unfortunately, I don't want that to happen. 
But if you want a comparison, if we take a look at what happened back in the 70s, you know, the, the Fed was beginning to raise interest rates um, again in 1975 after the gold price had been cut in half from $200 down to about $100. And it started to raise rates from 4% as the, as the, the Fed was obviously losing control of inflation. You know, stagflation was the buzzword and uh, the recession was really bad. And the gold price went up along with the Fed raising rates. You know, the Fed started raising at 4% and didn't finish until they got to 20%. But what people don't understand is that the gold price tripled by the time they got to, to around 18, 17, 18% on the, on the interest rate at, to around $400. The gold, gold uh, sector went into blow-off mode when Russia went into Afghanistan and we had the Iran, Iran, uh, Iran uh, hostage crisis in late 1979. That is w- what was the catalyst to double the gold price again from 400, a little over 400 to $850 by January of 1980. And that was the blow off. So, um, you know, once the, the gold breaks out, this price breaks out this time, I don't expect it to be a blow off because if you take, if you take a look at the, at the chart, it's got that 12 year cup and handle. And once it breaks out, the first target is $3,000 an ounce. So, um, you know, with everything that's going on macroeconomically and geopolitically, I think it's only a matter of time before the gold price breaks out. You mentioned the dollar, um, and gold going up quasi alongside it. I too have noticed the, the inverse correlation, the not meaning as much there. Um, I do watch interest rates a little bit closer than I watch the dollar, particularly the longer term interest rates, the the mm-hmm. ten year and the thirty year, because they're controlled more by the economy, whereas the the shorter end of the curve, the two year, is controlled mm-hmm. more by what the Fed is doing. Um, and everybody has been saying, you know, pivot, pivot. They're going to pivot. They've been saying that for over a year, and and I've been saying, look, this Fed isn't going to pivot. This guy mm-hmm. Powell is he's on a mission until they're forced um, to until they exactly. create a crisis. And so this is where I'm going next, right? Um, the recession has been kicked down the road. The yield curve has been inverted for a mm-hmm. long time now. It continues to steepen, in fact. It's inverted by more than a 1.0% now um, right. here in the, in the past couple of days. And um, we'll see what GDP says. It comes out on July 27th for the Q2. It's not going to be negative. It might have a zero handle on it, but I don't think it's going to have a negative handle on it. And so that pushes recession out until... Q3, Q4, maybe Q1 at next year. And so and what I'm looking at is a, a recession that doesn't materialize for another several quarters. Um, and that's going to, this is just my thesis now, um, it, take employment, unemployment to a level that's going to force the Fed's hand. And they're going to say, you know what, hey, we're not going to be able to get to 2% inflation, maybe 3 or 4% is okay. But, and now we have to pause or potentially even cut right. because the, the unemployment is, is mounting. And so uh, what are your thoughts on, on that recession timeline? And I guess uh, any thoughts or knowledge you have about how gold acts in a recession? Because we can think yeah. back to 2008 and say, you know, gold didn't go up in 2008 to even 2009. It wasn't until they really started cutting rates uh, after that. And uh, of course, gold hit a record after that, right? Well, it was, it was basically the Fed recapitalizing the banking system. That was the that was the all clear for gold to 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 rise and of course and you know it when when it did that it had that false move down below down to do around six hundred dollars and then it just you know then it just slingshotted up higher 
way above a thousand and eventually got to 1900. But I digress as far as, as, as what the question was. If the thing to, to, to really pay attention to Nick here, I, I think is, is the, is the two year yield. Mm-hmm. Um, the fed generally follows the two year yield with, the, with their fed funds rate. And the two year yield now is about 4.7. And mm-hmm. the first time the two recently, the most recently, uh, uh, the, the two-year yield went up to five percent um, back in, in at the beginning of March, and that created the regional banking crisis. And of course, the Fed had to flood the flood the market with with liquidity. You know, flood the banking system with with some liquidity to to, to put out some fires. And the gold price moved up to to two thousand dollars again. And the and before that, um, in two thousand eight, the two-year yield got to 5% right before the the global financial crisis. That's what triggered the global financial crisis. So, you know, all this debt in the system, it, it, you know, and, it, it, and you, when you combine it with the, with the Fed um, having its most aggressive uh, rate hike campaign since the 1980s, you know, 500 basis points in 14 months. I, I, I mean, they're just waiting for, for, for the next... The, the next black swan that, that they're trying to create. I mean, they're basically trying to create a recession. You hear them talking about it. And there will be pain. What, there will be pain, he said several exactly, months ago. Exactly. There will be pain. Did you, did, did you hear what he said just, just this week at that, uh, at that economic conference in Europe? He, when he, he basically flat out, come out came out and said, we don't expect inflation to get down to our 2% target until 2025. Okay. So- if the Fed goes ahead and raises another quarter basis point at the in four weeks at the end of July, like the market is pricing in eighty five percent chance now, the the two year okay. yield is going to rise to five percent and create another crisis. And then the Fed's the, the Fed's general policy is basically look we're gonna we're gonna raise rates until we break something again. And is that bullish for gold? Yes, absolutely, it's bullish for gold. I mean, you want to see the gold price go up for economic reasons as opposed to geopo- geopolitical reasons. Yes. I mean, bef- before the, the the recent rise to 2000, right? Gold price went up last year to 2000 on the back of Russia going into Ukraine. And the the, do- the US dollar and gold were rising together as a safe haven. When that turned out to be just a regional war and it, it didn't escalate into other countries, the gold price came back down, and now we we are where we are. So you know you never want to see the gold price break out on yeah. geop- geop- geopolitical reasons. Uh, but like I said, I, I think that might be the reason it does break out here uh, in the not too distant future because of what's go- going on over in Europe. Let's move to gold stocks now, which are not gold, and I have to continuously remind people of that. <laughs> um, yes, because you had gold at two thousand, and and yet the the gold equities haven't kept pace. If you look right. at, you know, the leverage they should have um, relative to gold, and that they've shown in previous cycles, they're they're not showing that. Whether it's the royalty companies, the producers, or the juniors, so um, talk to me about what you're seeing in in GDX and, and GDXJ terms, and then maybe we'll talk about the junior space for a little bit. Yeah, um, it's 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 been my uh, argument for you know ever since late last year that uh, the gold stocks bottomed in September of 2022, 
and their typical seven-year gold stock, gold stock cycle low. I mean, every seven years, the gold stocks have a major bottom. There was a, since since the secular bull market in gold began, uh, when gold double bottomed at two fifty back in two thousand one, we had a major bottom in two thousand one in gold stocks. We had a major bottom in two thousand eight in gold stocks. The fin- global financial crisis, and then in late twenty fifteen, we had another major bottom in gold stocks, and then September twenty twenty two. That was seven years later, and the GDX and GDXJ are still trading. Believe it or not, forty forty percent off of those lows. They've made higher highs and higher lows. Um, both GDX and GDXJ are attempting to make a higher low at 30 and 35, respectively, here as we're speaking. Um, there's an open gap at 28 created uh, from the uh, from the uh, regional banking crisis uh, in, in the beginning of March that could fill first. But for, judging by the hammer today, as we go into the last day of the quarter, quarter end book scoring and going into going into into uh, the second half of the year, I expect a, a big move in the gold price next week. But you know, it, it's it's going to be vacation central basically next week. Most everybody's going to be on vacation. It's going to be a short week. There's a holiday in the U.S. In, on Tuesday. Um, but um, as far as the gold, as far as the juniors are concerned. A lot of them continue to, to to go lower. Like I said, we had a big seller leave the market a couple of weeks ago in Van Eck when we had those rebalancings. And um, basically, my portfolio, which is you know my junior portfolio, um, is is up on the week despite uh, the sector being down because of this. Because most of that selling came from Van Eck a couple of weeks ago, and there was also related selling from other from other companies were people that, that didn't know about the rebalance and, and most didn't. They're just like, forget it. You know, I'm done with these gold stock, selling it for tax loss and I'm putting it into the stock market. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've had a lot of this take place in this sector because if you take a look at the selling, it, whenever we have uh, a peak, ever since the, the major bottom of September uh, last year, whenever we had a peak, uh, the, the, the consolidation of the move comes on lower and lower volume. If you take a look at the volume, it continues to dwindle and dwindle and dwindle. And if you take a look at the volume on the uh, on the TSX, it's the lowest it's been in over 20 years. Wow. So the volume hasn't been this low since gold was trading below $300 an ounce and nobody cared about gold stocks. So we're at that point again where the generalist left in 2013 and has yet to return. You know, but basically, since 2015, we've had two six-month bull markets and and uh, two three-year bear markets following the six-month bull markets in gold stocks. When I look back at the at the, at the last couple of times gold was above 2,000, it took many fewer shares of the GDX and, and GDXJ to, to buy one ounce of gold. And I'm not a huge ratio guy, but... Um, I'm smart enough to know that it takes many more shares of, of GDX and, and GDXJ to, to buy one ounce of gold right now. And I, and I wonder what might change that. Um, you've seen some acquisitions, uh, n- not huge ones. Well, you got, you got Newmont and Newcrest, but you haven't seen a lot on the smaller end of the spectrum. We all know these producers have to uh, refill their coffers. Um, Outside of you know gold firmly uh, breaking through two thousand, uh, what do you see as as things or catalysts that could uh, attract investors uh, back to gold stocks or that could see them revalued higher? 
Yeah, well, the stock market needs to roll over. Mm. That's that's one big thing that that's needs actually to that's actually a good point. You know, you said the generalist investor left and has gone back into the into the stock market. I think this the generalist investor has been sucked into a bear market rally that's um, gone on here for the past several months, and and I I still think we're mm-hmm. in a, a broad bear market for the the stock market so indices, except for those uh, seven stocks. <laughs> exactly right. Um, and that, you know, once this recession does materialize, that we will have that rolling over. So I, I guess I tend to to agree with you in in in, th- in that respect. And so um, I've been positioning aggressively both uh, in gold and uh, mm-hmm. gold gold equities, right? Uh, wrote some checks uh, late last year and early this year and into private placements. Um, and I'm happy to talk about some of those companies. Um, but I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about maybe um, exploration programs you're excited about. We're getting here into the drilling season in, in some locations. And um, just wanted, not that you got to give away all your picks, of course, but um, uh, I, I was just wondering if there's anything you're really excited about. Well, you know, Nick, it's it's funny. Um, not funny, but just a, just uh, a, a, a fact of, of the market. Um, I've avoided drill plays for quite some time now. Okay. Um, you know, because basically with the generalist out of the market and, and most interest really waning in, in the sector, um, even good news gets sold and, um, you really have to watch. I mean, there's, I, I'm only invested now in two companies that are getting close to PEA stage. Everything else I'm invested in is a later stage. Gotcha. Um, like so developers. I'm not going Yes, I'm not going to get back into into earlier stage drill plays until the sector gets back into a bull market again, uh, because basically, you know, I'm not willing to risk my capital on something that that companies are expecting to find when I can when I can invest in companies that have already found it. They found multi million ounces in the ground in top jurisdictions. They've got great management teams. They know when to raise money. They have access to capital. They, they can, some of them can even raise money without a warrant, even in this environment, which I've seen recently. Um, so I'm going to invest in those, I'm invested in those companies until this market turns. That's interesting. Um, I invest across the the spectrum. I own royalty companies, I own producers, um, but I've tended to also gravitate to the developers uh, over the years. I believe you and I met on a, on a, a, a tour for a company that uh, is called Revival Gold that has, mm-hmm. um, it's a past producer, it's a brownfield site, it's got uh, infrastructure, it has a resource, it has a PEA, they're working on a, a, a PFS. And um, I'm that's, just for, yes. that's just for the early part of it. So mm-hmm. uh, there's there's one name right there, but then I spend a lot of time looking at and, and buying shares in companies like Artemis. Um, and, I, and I look a lot at the G-Min mining. And, and like you say, these are companies that have, it raised the capital. And, and I think about the Lassonde curve, which investors, I think, tend to forget about too often, right? Um, so uh, mm-hmm. maybe any thoughts you have on more on the Lassonde curve, why it's good to get in a company when they're building a mine or, or past the uh, economic study stage? And uh, again, any names that you'd like to share, we'd be happy to hear them. Yeah, well, basically, it's less risky right now. You know, we're in a, we're in a very high-risk uh, sector here. This is high-risk, high-reward, right? So, um, in an environment like this, um, it just makes more sense to me to, to invest in these companies. Even if, if I'm a little bit early in the Lasan curve, I don't mind because I know that mine's going to get built. I know it has high margins 
And I know that M&A is going to pick up again here pretty soon. It has to. Mm -hmm. um, so these companies, they got to replace their ounces. And um, if you get into the companies that have done it right, you know, with, with without having to dilute their shareholders too much, um, then and there's still upside there, then that's that's what makes the most sense to me. Um, like I said, there's there's two companies that I'm invested in that are getting close to the PE stage, but both of them have over fifth have around fifty million in cash. Is so it? you know, if you are gonna going to going to uh, speculate in these drill plays, you got to make sure that they have enough cash well into next year, because recently the financing window closed again. And if, if you didn't finance, then I don't care how good your project is. I don't care how great your drill results are. The stock is going to get sold as soon as, as soon as that news release it, it comes out with Bonanza grade results, even if they're lucky enough to get Bonanza grade results, because the, the, the smart money that's, that's left in this sector is basically saying, wow, great project. But they look, they need, they're going to need money in six to eight months or even four months. So I'm going to sell the stock and wait for the private placement because I know I can get it cheaper and wait. I can get either yep. a half or a full warrant also to boot. Yep. Um, how much does jurisdiction matter to you? It matters a lot. Uh, it really does. Uh, I mean, especially now because you, you don't have to take chances on riskier companies that are, that are, that are de-risking projects in, you know, in tier three jurisdictions or tier two jurisdictions. You know, I have a couple companies in tier two jurisdictions, but I know that they're safe because I, I know the company, the, 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 the government wants mining. And it's, it's these, some of these West African countries, you know, you get a mine built really quickly you can get it permitted, permitted really quickly. And they're, they're trading at even a bigger discount than, than gold in the ground in tier one jurisdictions right now. Um, so jurisdiction is, is key. Um, if you take a look at something that recently happened to, uh, Calibre where mm -hmm. the countries was put on, you know, put on a, a sanction list because of, because they figured they thought that gold was being used for terrorist reasons. They, and they, and they, and they put sanctions on the country, you know, the stock was hit really hard. That's a great company. You know, they're, they're doing a really good job of building a growth oriented producer and they added another uh, project in Nevada to to dissuade that risk. But you know, I mean, you just have to you have to spread out your your risk in in this sector. You know, I don't put any more than four or five percent of my investment capital into one company because you know, it, you know, it, the voice of experience here. Even the companies that look like they're going to be the biggest home runs. Oh wow, look at this! It ticks all the boxes, right? That's usually the one that you end up having something come out of left field. And screw and 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 uh, screw you up on, but you know, um, that's why you know you just have to diversify within this sector, and um, you have to buy in times like these when it the the, the more it hurts, you know the, the 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 you know the 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 pain in your gut that you get, the the the, the tougher it is to hit that buy button. It's usually the best time to buy. You know, you have to buy fishing lines and sell rhino horns in this sector, or you're not going to be playing in this sector for very long. 
Um, I find myself looking at Calibre too. Uh, I know those guys and, and tended to stay away from it because of, of Nicaragua. But mm -hmm. um, you mentioned the asset uh, that they picked up in Nevada. I've been to the I've been to the Pan Mine. I helped them raise a bit of money when they were still private as GRP Minerals, even before it was uh, Fiore. And so not only do they have the the asset in Nevada, they've got some. Um, exploration plays that have resources on them, including one near where I live, uh, up in Spokane, Washington, the Golden Eagle, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. So um, I tend to look at that one as well. Um, yeah, I had to sell it because, you know, that you, you never know what's going to happen there now. I mean, they could, they could cut, if this escalation heats, heats up between uh, Ukraine and Russia and U.S. gets more involved, you know, um, they could say, you know, you know what, you, we, we forbid you to trade in companies in Nicaragua now. If that's a very real possibility. So I, you know, I hated to, to, to sell the stock when that happened. You know, uh, it was, a, it was, it was in my top 10. I had a lot of high hopes for it. Uh, but you know, it, it is what it is. 65% of my investor base are U S investors. Um, I, I want to start to wrap up here and, uh, I appreciate your time. The one thing we haven't spoken about is, is silver. So Maybe we can wrap up with your your thoughts about the yeah. the other precious metal that also has some industrial uses. Yeah, that's the thing about silver, right? You know, you never know when that uh, industrial component is going to rear its ugly head and, and hit the price. Um, but recently, you, you know, the sentiment in silver is in the toilet. It's it, it's I think the DSI hit single digits this week. So you know. Uh, and if you take a look at that 22 level, that's, that's been really solid support for, for, for a while. And, um, 21 level is, is, enough, is, is basically uptrend line support. So I, I look for silver to start turn. Silver's already starting to turn a little bit here. It's starting to, to, to show relative strength to the gold price. But until we have the gold silver ratio back below that 80 level, um, then I, I don't see silver doing very much until that happens. It's, it's getting closer. It's getting down there again. 80 to 1 is, is, has proven to be uh, a, a key level to watch on that gold-silver ratio. You know, when it starts trending below 80, that's and, and silver is leading gold along with the mining stocks because basically the mining stocks and silver trade in tandem against or with the, the gold price. Um, so when they start to show relative strength, that's what happened in in late two thousand in late twenty twenty two. Both silver and and the miners started to show relative strength to the gold price, and that was the the hint that the move was the move was over up to the downside, and the move to the upside was going to begin. And sure, sure enough, that's what happened. So take a look at and watch the miners and silver, and when they start to show relative strength to the gold price, that's a that's a really good sign for 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 the, uh, the sector to become bullish again. So have you been deploying capital in silver or are you waiting for that signal? I did. I've, <laughs> I had a stake bid in one of my, um, one of my top 10 sil one of my top 10 stocks in, in my newsletter is a, is a silver developer. And I had a stink bid in it that I never thought would get filled. <laughs> and it did on the last rebalance Friday, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, you know, Vanek finished their they're rebalancing on June 17th. Um, no, June uh, 23rd. It's began on the on the 17th. This is the week of the 17th to the to the 23rd, I believe it was. And um, you saw a lot of fishing lines in many silver juniors because of that. And when you 
See, this is why you 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 really have to do your due diligence in this sector. You know, when you find out things like that and you know the reasons for 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 these sell-offs, when you take a look because these sell-offs were taking place while gold and silver were trading sideways above 1950. And all of a sudden, quality juniors were being hit hard and people were wondering, what's going on? Mm-hmm. That's what was going on. And when you know these things, it gives you the confidence to buy these fishing lines because you know that once that seller is gone, the stock is going to bounce. Sure thing, it did. It bounced 20, 20% uh, on the following Monday. I couldn't agree more, Gerardo, and I were talking about it last week on this very podcast. Um, we were talking about companies like Abra Plata and, and, and companies like Dolly Varden for, for, for that very reason, the fact that they were just simply getting uh, oversold and, and trading for uh, pennies on the dollar. Right. Uh, they were part of that rebalance. That what they did was they, they sold the, the bottom 20 stocks in the SILJ are actual are the actual juniors, right? With the rest of the index made up of mid-tiers and majors. Right. So what they what they do is the, is is they is they rebalance, sold them out, and um, added to the other ones, and they came up with a new plan for the GDXJ. And I'm not sure if it, it's also for the SILJ, but I know it's the GDXJ, where they're going to overweight the top five names. So the so in GDXJ, the top name is going to have seven percent, six point five six, it's five point five five all the way down, right? So they're going to rebalance now only twice a, twice a year, every June and every December in GDXJ, and I imagine SILJ. So that's what. So you mark that on your calendar for December this year. That's when the next rebalance is. So that's when you know you you, you have some cash and you wait to see what happens with how many shares are going to get sold, what fishing lines are going to are going to pop up because of this rebalance, or it could happen on the upside, which is what happened last December. You had a lot of these silver stocks have huge white candles last December when they did a rebalance because it was right after tax loss selling season, right? Yeah. So they rebalanced, saw buying was coming into these ETFs, so they had to rebalance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a pretty good summation of the, the current state from technicals on gold to drivers of gold to where we are with valuations of, of gold stocks. Is there anything we, we failed to cover or mention that you want to talk about? Just that... Now is a great time to do your due diligence. You've got all this time, right? These these companies are available. You call them up to get one-on-one meetings. You ask them the right questions, you know, and um, it's a great time to get in the best of the best. You don't need to mess around with anything that, that, that is suspect right now. You can get the best of the best because cheap. basically the, the junior minor babies are being thrown out with with the lifestyle junior bathwater right now. And um, you just have to concentrate on the best stocks and do it with cash. Don't do it with a margin account because some of these huh, things can no get doubt. cheaper. And they'll all bottom on their own account. They won't they won't all bottom at the same time. You know, you won't hear a bell. <laughs> so you look at valuations, you look at management teams, you look at share structures, you look at jurisdictions they're in. You know, you've got all this time to do this due diligence. Do it and, you know, um, accumulate ugly, ugly charts right now because they're going to be beautiful within the, next year, within the next year or so. That's right. And if you're um, incapable or uh, unwilling to, to do the diligence on your on your own, uh, that we often tell people, you know, subscribe to a, to a handful of newsletter writers. Right. right? That's what we're um, here for. Exactly. You know, subscribe to your letter. Subscribe to my letter. You're going to find that the cream rises to the top, and the the very best companies are going to be recommended by 
have multiple newsletters, right? So absolutely, it, it behooves you to do that. And so will I be seeing you in Beaver Creek? Absolutely. That's my favorite conference. I never miss it. Awesome. I will be there as well as we have been for the past several years. And other than Beaver Creek, uh, David, tell people where they can find you. My website uh, is junior minor junkie with a y.com. And each week I have a weekly column at Kitco that comes out on Fridays. Sometimes I skip it like during the summer doldrums here. I'll skip a week every once in a while. But uh, I generally uh, write a column each week on, on Kitco and it comes out Friday mornings. Great. Like I said at the beginning, I love reading that. And so uh, it was a pleasure to have you on. It, it's been too long and, and we'll have to do it again fairly soon. David Erfley, thank you very much for coming on Investing in Bizarro World. This was episode number 225, if you can believe it. Um, and I'm supposed to tell people Gerardo usually does this, so I got to do it for him too. Um, go to dailyprofitcycle.com and, and check out the free editorials we have there. Click like and subscribe and, and of course comment and tell us what you like and don't like. Um, until next week when Gerardo is back, I'm Nick Hodge and this is Mr. David Erfley, the junior miner, junior mining junkie, junior miner junkie, junior miner junkie. Thank you. <laughs> hey there, you independent minded investor. If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below, subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one and share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.